Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a great joy to be here with you on this Easter weekend that we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and we get to come together, whether online or in person, we are together united in the person and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the joy that we can receive in his name. Uh, It is awesome to be here with you. I am so excited. I have longed to proclaim this good news. Uh, and Easter for me is an exciting time. I get so excited because it's better by far than Christmas because this is the most substantial, the most important event in all of human history. And if it's true, if it's true, it changes everything. If you're new here, I just wanted to say you are welcome here. Welcome home to Cassidy and to a community that that is seeking to be uh, more in love with God and more in, uh, in presence with one another to love our God fully, to love our neighbor as ourself, and to live fully into the promise of Jesus. We recognize we're not perfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus Christ. And we want to invite you to go on a journey with us, to grow in relationship, and to be more and more like Jesus. Over the past 11 weeks now, we've been on a journey through this understanding of gospel. Uh, If you are new, don't worry, you're not going to have to uh, re-catch up in order for this to make sense. Uh, But I would encourage you to go and and look at some of the the other messages we have online. Uh, But if you are, if you are, have been with us, uh, this is, this is the, the core of the gospel message. We've been talking about what the gospel is, why the gospel matters, and, and how does it apply to our lives even today. And so we're going to continue that today, that journey through gospel. Have you ever uh, had a near-death experience? Uh, Maybe it wasn't you. Maybe you saw somebody that that survived something and you were just like, I didn't expect them to make it through that. Uh, A near-death experience is actually defined to succeed in staying alive in an extremely dangerous situation, uh, to make it through when nobody thought you were going to make it through. Uh, maybe you were in a car accident or, or uh, maybe you were born and had, had some kind of a, a, an illness or something and people didn't expect you to make it. You Cheated death is some of the language that's put around it. Actually, uh, there are people who make a living doing things like that. There are people that, that are uh, daredevils or stuntmen and women that, that say, hey, uh, that's what I want to do for a living. One such person was a lady named Lillian LaFrance. Lillian LaFrance was a, uh, was a daredevil in the 1920s. Um, she, she, here's, here's a great picture of her with her aviator goggles and her leather helmet, which really didn't uh, help too much uh, if she had an accident, uh, and her motorcycle. And uh, she would ride in a motor dome. Uh, around the edge and build up enough speed that she could uh, get uh, up on the edge. And here's a picture of her with the people standing above her, and she is vertical on this motor dome riding on on this vehicle. Uh, And she would wear this uh, skull and crossbones shirt. You can actually still buy the Lillian LaFrance skull and crossbones t-shirt if you're really interested. And every once in a while, every once in a while, just to make things even more interesting, 
she would ride with a lion in, in her sidecar. Uh, and you're just like, wait, why, why, would, why, why would you ride with a lion? Well, why not? Why wouldn't you ride with a lion? Honestly, um, sure, why not? Uh, or maybe you, uh, may, maybe in the 1920s, a little far back, you don't remember. Uh, and I, quite frankly, I had to do research uh, so that I could find out about Lillian LaFrance. Um, but maybe you remember October of 2012. Maybe you probably uh, don't know the name, Felix Baumgartner, but you probably remember what he did. Uh, he took a balloon up to 128,000 feet in a spacesuit and then jumped out of that spacesuit. Here, here is a picture of him. This is not Doctor. It's a picture of him in the spacesuit breaking the sound barrier as he plummets back to Earth. Uh, and he had all of these things he had to do so that he could make it back. And then he opened a parachute and landed safely. Uh, he cheated death. Uh, and, and sometimes when we think of these people, it's just like, man, that's, that's crazy. Because I don't know about you, but uh, the older I get, the more concerned I get about, like, I used to never be afraid of heights. Now, when I go up on a ladder, I'm like, I might not make it back from this. Um, so people who cheat death are, are interesting to me. And if you've had a near-death experience, um, you might feel like you have cheated death as well. I know there are several people in our community that have shared stories with me, and, and, and the fact that they are still with us is miraculous. And so we wanted to start there and talk about somebody in the Bible who cheated death as well. Now, maybe you're sitting there going, oh yeah, this is where we talk about Jesus. And yes, but we're not going all the way there yet. So uh, back up with me a little bit. There was a guy in the New Testament who was actually a friend of Jesus. His name was Lazarus. Uh, he had two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they lived in a town near Jerusalem. And Jesus uh, had been friends with this family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and had visited their house, and Lazarus became ill. Uh, Jesus wasn't there. He was with his disciples teaching and preaching, and he hears word that Lazarus isn't well. And so uh, knowing that Lazarus is going to die before he gets there, he, he takes his time uh, and doesn't rush to get there and, and makes the trip to Bethany. And when he's met, he's met by a couple of, of frustrated, hurting sisters, because they know if Jesus would have just gotten there earlier, that, that he would still be alive. He, Lazarus, would still be alive. And, and they wanted their brother to be alive. They were hurting and sad and a little frustrated with Jesus. And Martha, uh, Lazarus' sister, kind of calls him on it. Why didn't you come sooner? You could have helped. And Jesus responds. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Well, that that to Martha wasn't the answer she was looking for. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha responded, yes, Lord, I believe. But I don't think she was ready for what Jesus was going to do next. Jesus 
ordered the stone rolled away from the tomb Lazarus had been buried in, and people were worried that it was going to smell awful. And, and Jesus instead looks over and says in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus, raised from the dead, exited the tomb. Lazarus wasn't resurrected. He was resuscitated. He rose from the dead at Jesus' command, but he wasn't immortal. He was still mortal. He would die again, but Lazarus cheated death. Maybe the ultimate cheat that we have in history because it was for three days that he cheated death, but he would die again. And scripture shares that with us. Uh, But when Jesus talks about his own death and resurrection, he's talking about something totally different. He is not talking about being resuscitated. He's talking about resurrection. In Mark's gospel, he says this, he, Jesus, then began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, stating that he knows this is coming, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and, uh, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. But when Jesus is talking about rising again, Jesus isn't talking about resuscitation. He's talking about resurrection. And here's the deal, friends. The resurrection is the core of the gospel message. The resurrection is what makes Jesus' life matter. If if the resurrection doesn't happen, then there is no victory. We have no hope. And the story of Jesus isn't a victorious story. Uh, Instead, it's a tragedy. The cross is the means to an end for Jesus. But if resurrection is real, then the cross is becomes a symbol of love and sacrifice. The cross becomes not the tool of execution, but the means by which Jesus becomes raised from the dead. And I I think, quite frankly, I think that our sign shouldn't be a cross. I know it's easy to have a cross on a necklace, uh, but our sign, our symbol shouldn't be the cross. It should be the empty tomb, that Jesus isn't there and that Jesus didn't didn't just cheat death. No, Jesus defeated death. It wasn't that he cheated death and came back. It's that he kicked down the doors to hell and sin and death and came back. Not mortal any longer, but instead he had put on immortality. Resurrection is the core of the gospel. If it didn't happen, it, then the, the message of Jesus doesn't matter. But if it did, it changes everything. And friends, I know with everything I am that the story of Jesus is true. And we can take heart and hope in hearing and reading the story of Jesus' resurrection. It says this in John's gospel, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the empty tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter 
and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked inside, uh, looking at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in, in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who reached the tomb also went inside. Uh, He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. They saw and they believed that Jesus wasn't there, but they didn't understand what they were seeing. Jesus' death on a cross is sacrificial, but it's only a victory if Jesus rose from the dead. If on that third day the tomb is empty, then God has made a new statement and something new has happened. Jesus says, behold, I'm making all things new. And he demonstrates it in this way. Paul puts an exclamation on our understanding of this. Uh, In his letter to the church in Corinth, he says this, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If this isn't true, then none of this matters. But if it is, then it changes everything it changes everything. It means something brand new has happened. It means that even though Lazarus cheated death and was still mortal, that Jesus defeated death and has put on immortality, that he has put on something that we cannot yet lay claim to. He becomes the firstborn of of those who have perished and come back from the dead. Paul continues in his letter to the Corinthians, when the perishable has been clothed with imperishability, or clothed with, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Paul is making a mockery of death because death is not the final answer anymore because the core of the gospel is that Jesus rose and he is immortal that he offers that to you and to me. And so the question is, how do we respond? What do we do? How do we, how do we, do we just wait until we die so that we can have this new life? We can put on our immortality or is there more to it than that? And I think there is so much more to it than that because in the gospel of John, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus offers something new to us so that we can live into the hope of, 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 restoration right now of resurrection in the name of Christ right now. We don't have to wait to be raised from the dead, to live in the power and in the authority of Jesus. We can live now for Jesus Christ. We can live now in the moment uh, with a new life transformed by Christ. I have a friend named Kelly Weaver. Uh, she used to be Kelly Marie, but she got married uh, and became Kelly Weaver. Uh, she was born with cystic fibrosis. 
Cystic fibrosis is an illness uh, that, that makes the fluids in your body sticky and it does severe damage to your lungs. And she was told, or her parents were told when she was born and, and diagnosed with cystic fibrosis that she probably wouldn't make it past 16 or 18. Uh, and then when she defied the odds, uh, she was able to get married to the love of her life, uh, Nate. And uh, when they got married, she was told that uh, her body wouldn't be able to take it if she got pregnant. Uh, and she did get pregnant and decided that she was going to fight through it. At 26, she was told that if she didn't get a double lung transplant, she wouldn't see 30. Uh, this is a picture of Kelly and Nate uh, when they were still dating. Uh, look at these kids. They're young-looking kids. Um, and, and, and so she was told that if she didn't get a lung transplant, that she wouldn't make it to 30. And, and she got on the list for an organ donor and, and was told as time went on that, that it was looking less and less likely for her to find the lungs that she needed so that she could breathe deep. Uh, it got so bad that she wasn't able to travel away from her home uh, in, for any length of time uh, because she needed oxygen treatments. And um, she was labeled by the hospital the one percenter because there was only a one percent chance that she was going to make it. She was informed that some lungs had been found for her, uh, found for her, that there was a, a, an organ donor that had made the gift of life and offered her uh, his lungs after he died. And so uh, she, she finds out, and the next day she's on the operating table receiving new lungs, and she's told immediately that the rejection rate for lungs is super high and that she might not have more than six months to a year. Uh, this is... Kelly, five years after her, uh, her, lung, her lung surgery, that she was a transplant recipient for two lungs, double lung transplant. Um, five years later, no rejection has set in, and she is living now with her family, celebrating the gift that she has received. Now, here's the deal. Kelly had a near-death experience. Her whole life is a near-death experience experience. But she didn't live into it. She cheated death, and, and, but not because of her near-death experience, but because she has received grace in Jesus Christ. She knew Jesus had secured her salvation in 33 AD when he died on the cross and on the third day rose from the dead and offered the message of hope and life for her. And she received God's grace and his mercy and lived into that. And she says in the book that she wrote titled Breathe Deep, Kelly says that the strength I found in God's word, in God's presence, and in the people of God called the church, I was able to be strong enough to make it through. Now, here's the deal. You don't have to you don't have to have a near-death experience to live into God's grace. 
you can experience God's grace and receive a new life right here and right now. And so wherever you are, I encourage you, receive God's grace in this moment, right now. Receive the grace of God and live fully into his presence. Allow him to make all things new for you, to live uh, abundantly in the life that he makes for you, to be transformed in love and grace so that you can love others more than you ever have before so that your heart can be changed so that the love you have for others and for God can grow and well up and give you a strength to make it through in this world here and now. Don't, you don't need that near-death experience to trust and receive new life in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Holy One, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the gift of Jesus Christ, for the hope we have in you and the promise of life that you offer to us. We thank you for resurrection, for loving us so much that you came into the world to live and to, to teach, but also to die and to be raised on the third day. Thank you for resurrection and for proving to us your love beyond a shadow of a doubt, for proving to us what awaits us and that we can live boldly in the name of Jesus, not awaiting our resurrection, but instead live now for the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Live now to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Live now on behalf of Jesus so that we can be your hands and your feet, so that we can love well your community and, and share that radical good news and grace and joy that we have received with everyone we come in contact with. Father, be with us now by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. Unite us in purpose, in mission, and in ministry to proclaim now and always the good news of Jesus Christ. We ask this in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, amen.